you know that the people did this as a part of mourning for losses in the battle? Judges chapter 20. The people did it to mourn the death of King Saul and Jonathan in chapter 1 of Samuel, um, in 1 Samuel 31, 2 Samuel 1. King David did it while his child was ill in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we're going to talk about that today. King Jehoshaphat proclaimed it for the whole nation of Judah in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. King Joachim, son of Josiah, proclaimed it for the people in Jeremiah chapter 36. Daniel did it in Daniel chapter 9. Ezra did it with others before going on a long journey in Ezra chapter 8. Esther, Mordecai, and the Jews did it when faced with problems of violence in the book of Esther. The people of Nineveh did it after hearing Jonah's message in Jonah chapter 3. Jesus did it after his baptism. The church did it in Acts 13 before sending out Barnabas and Saul on a missionary trip. Paul and Barnabas did it before appointing the elders in each church in, in Acts 14, which, by the way, is the same person, but in chapter 13, they call him Saul. In chapter 14, they call him Paul. All right? What is this it that I've been referring to? The it is? All right. Woo, fasting and praying. Fasting. Starting next Sunday, starting next Sunday, we are going to go on a 21-day fast as a church. It's a corporate fast that we'll be doing together as a church, 21 days of fasting and prayer. Um, it's good to know now because you can begin to prepare yourself for that fast. And when I say prepare yourself, I'm not saying eat as much as you can this week. That is not preparing yourself. That's actually going to make it harder, okay? When I say preparing yourself for, um, before the fast, you know what? My, my, maybe you start making smaller portions this week. You know, start weaning your body off of some things, you know? You know, take the sugar out now so you're not going through withdrawals next week. You know, and so whatever, th- whatever it is, start preparing yourself now. Start to write down some prayer points that you're going to go before the Lord in prayer. There's things that we're going to pray about. There's things that as a church we're going to pray about, and we're going to talk about that in a second. There's things that we're going to talk about as a church, but there's things that you want to present to the Lord as an individual, as a family. As a church, we are praying for revival to break out amongst our our, our church and our city. We are praying that chains of anxiety and depression be broken. That seems to be affecting many people these days. We're going to be praying for healthy marriages. We're praying for the salvation of the lost. We're praying, that, uh, praying to, uh, for people to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We're praying for direction. And we're praying for a new home. These are just a, a highlights of what we're praying for as a church. And that, can de- that list can definitely grow. Starting next Sunday, you will start seeing daily video devotions as we did, uh, as you guys saw last year. I encourage you guys to follow along each day when you go before God in prayer. Look at the video and add that to your devotion and to your prayer. Follow along. It'll be posted on Facebook, YouTube, Faith Life, and that way you guys can all see. 
Amen. This morning, I would like to talk about fasting and take some time to dig into David's fast in 2 Samuel chapter 12. I want us to know why a believer in Jesus Christ should fast and give you all the encouragement needed not only to join us for 21 days of fasting and prayer, but to develop a lifestyle of fasting for yourself. I know that this is the part where I would usually read the text, but before we get into the main point today, I would like to answer some questions, basic questions that many people have about fasting and get our hearts and minds right about the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of fasting. So the first question, what is fasting? What is fasting? Throughout Scripture, fasting is referred to as the abstaining of food for spiritual purposes. It's not a hunger strike, and it's not a diet plan. Although many people say, "Woo, we're going to be fasting for 21 days. I'm going to lose some weight. <laughs> it is not a diet plan, and it's not a hunger strike. A hunger strike, we know, is like, you know, when people want to protest, I won't eat. I'm not going to eat until this gets done. I won't eat until the law gets passed or whatever it gets. So it's a political protest thing that you do at a hunger strike. And a diet plan is obvious. You want to lose weight. And so you put a diet plan together and, and you, you know, the purpose is to lose weight. But a fast, its purpose is a spiritual purpose. It's a spiritual practice that aids one's spiritual life. Biblically, Fasting always centers on spiritual purposes, and fasting is abstaining, again, abstaining from food. I'm saying it a lot, and there's going to be a reason for it. In the scripture, the normal means of fasting involves not eating foods, liquid, uh, uh, food in liquid form or solid form. Luke chapter 4, verse 2 says, being tempted for 40 days by the, eat, by the devil, and in those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when, okay, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. So this describes to us, this verse tells us that Jesus, and this is after his, after his baptism, he goes to spend 40 days in the wilderness. And in, 40, in those 40 days, he is fasting. And according to the scripture, says he ate nothing. He ate nothing. Try going 40 days without eating something, right? He ate nothing. But guess what? Was he hungry? Oh, he was hungry. He was hungry. From a physical standpoint, this is the manner in which Scripture describes fasting. There are some other fasts described in the Bible. We see a partial fast that's found in Daniel chapter 10. Um, we see, and that's fasting from meats and things like that. You know, it's like only, eat, you know, the Daniel fast is just uh, veggies and fruit and things like that. The absolute fast is found in Esther chapter 4. And um, although we see these, the most common of the fast is just not eating for a period of time. Right? There's a quote by Dallas Willard I would like to share. It says, in fasting, we abstain in some significant way from food and possibly from drink as well. 
This discipline teaches us a lot about ourselves very quickly. It will certainly prove humiliating to us as it reveals to us how much our peace depends on the pleasures of eating. Fasting confirms our uh, utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. Now, don't get angry with me. I don't think anybody in here is going to be angry with me today, but there might be somebody watching online that might get angry with what I have to say. But it's okay. It doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> you got to watch the It Doesn't Matter sermon or something to get that. Um, <laughs> for some reason these days, here we go. For some reason these days, we use the word fast or fasting when it comes to other things besides food. For example, I hear people say they're going to fast from Netflix. They're going to fast from playing video games. They're going to fast from social media, etc., etc., etc. You guys get the point, right? Now, don't get me wrong, because I believe that getting off Facebook, Instagram, video games, I believe that getting off of those things, turning on the TV for an extended period of time will benefit, will have its benefits. Maybe even spiritual benefits, it will, it, it, it could, but it's still not fasting. You hear the pin drop? You hear the pin drop? Please be encouraged to take a break from these things. Be encouraged to take a break from these things, especially when it's negatively impacting your spiritual walk with God. But, like I said, it's called a break. It's not called a fast. As a matter of fact, as you are fasting, you should take a break from those things. But as you are fasting, you should take a break from those things. Fasting, no food. Break from all that stuff. There's a difference. But pastor, why not? I'm doing it for a spur spiritual purposes. I'm not going to be on Instagram for three weeks for spiritual purposes. I won't be on Netflix. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to play video games. It's all for spiritual purposes. Yes, you know, you most likely are giving those things up, and in your mind it's for a spiritual purpose. But fasting, fasting specifically engages the physical body in a way that impacts our emotions and spirit. I want you to understand something. We can stop video games for three weeks. You can go without video games forever. Did you know that? Did you know that you can't die without video games? You can fast from social media for three weeks, but did you know that if there were no social media, you would still exist? You can fast from Netflix or take a break from Netflix, but did you know that if Netflix ceases to exist, you would not die? What's happening is here, we love to find things, yes, that it is a sacrifice to us. 
Because many of us find ourselves addicted to those things, right? But the thing is, it is a sacrifice, but it's still not a fast. Because those things in your life, you could still do without. But can you be without food? Or does your body need it to sustain itself? So this is what, when we fast using food, the way the Bible shows us, it does something to our body. It's called starvation. (laughs) And what happens is, in those moments of hunger, it begins to align your body and your spirit and your emotions, believe it or not, to hear better from God. We begin to train our, we're going to talk about it, we begin to train our body. Who's in charge here? Is it my flesh or is it the spirit? And the more you fast, the stronger the spirit within you becomes. You guys know, some of us, the flesh is weak. We go without breakfast and you're like, oh my God, my whole day. We, breakfast. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> we, we go without breakfast, and it messes the whole day up. We skip lunch, and we don't know what to do. There's a difference. You cannot replace the lack of food going into your body, but you can replace other things, which many times we fast Netflix, right, and we find ourselves playing video games. We fast the video games, and you spend more time on Netflix. And, and some people, is they, they, they fast one thing to only pick up something else to sit in in place of what they gave up. But there's nothing you can replace the lack of food that goes into your body. Do we understand this? Do we understand this? God created us as physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. Fasting uses the physical part of us to reset and focus the emotional and the spiritual. Now, I, 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 was, I was telling myself last night, I was like, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be nice. Listen, I believe, I believe that this is why there are so many uh, weak Christians walking around powerless Christians walking around. And it's not their fault. Unfortunately, there's so many leaders teaching, oh, just fast the music for a little bit, or just fast this for a little bit, or just, you know what, don't watch TV for a week. Those are good things. That's good advice. But that isn't fasting. And so what's happening is people are learning to give up, take a break from certain things, and perhaps they'll pray more, and perhaps this will be But the thing is, your body... Your body isn't going through the the, the necessary uh, uh, disciplines that are needed to align itself with the Spirit. And so therefore we have a weak body of Christ. We wonder, where's the power of God? You know, where's the power of the Holy Spirit? And then we hear the stories. We used to see this. We used to see that. We used to, well, guess what? They used to fast and pray a lot. (laughs) 
You know, that's one thing is that I believe that when we can honor past generations, you learn from it. The past generations didn't have the distractions that we had. Sin is sin. We know that. They had sin then. We have sin now. But they didn't have Facebook and Instagram, and they didn't have Netflix, and they didn't have, you wanted to see a movie. What we had to do, go to Blockbuster? We had, to, we had to make it a family trip and all go to the movies to, the, to, the, to rent a movie. And guess what? You were going to get two or three. Two or three. And that was the weekend. But now, you put, pick up your phone to text someone and you end up on Facebook or Instagram and before you know it, it's an hour later. Before you know this, they didn't have the distractions that we had. And guess what? They fasted and they prayed. And because of that, they saw the hand of God move in powerful ways that we just awe at when they tell us the stories. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. There's another quote from Richard Foster, and it says, Fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. It is a means of God's blessing that should not be neglected. Should not be neglected. So that is fasting. First question, what is fasting? It is not eating for a while. And, yes, and, and throughout the week, you guys will see, there will be videos that I, I might go and, and speak to you guys about the different fasts. As far as the 21-day fast goes, you know, um, there's different options that you guys can go. We'll talk about that throughout the week. But there's Daniel fast, and there's other, you know, there's partial fast. And, and th- that's okay. It's okay. But what I want you to know is that fasting involves food. It involves food. I knew this one guy one time, and he was like, Pastor, you guys, you guys do the not eating, and I'll do the praying. <laughs> he refused to fast. For three years, he was in our church, and he would, he would not, and he was vocal about it. I said, bro, you need Jesus in your life, for reals. Like, he was super against it. And almost proud of it. And I don't understand. I said, Jesus gave us an example of fasting. It should should be something that as you're fasting, you should should feel honored that you are imitating the Messiah. That you're doing something that Jesus did. Anyways, anyway, I'm sorry. All right, um, um. Okay, second question, second question. What does Jesus say about fasting? Oh, look, it, it got, got into Jesus. What does Jesus say about fasting? Because <laughs> many people have questioned it. You know how there's debates in the Bible? Well, does the Bible really tell us to do this? Does the Bible really tell us to do that? And so is this really a requirement? Is it just as important as, as the Last Supper? Is it just as important as, as baptism? What, you know, what, 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 does the, what does Jesus say about it? Well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18 says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to man. 
men as fasting, or surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your feet, your face, so that you don't do not appear to to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in a secret will reward you in, in open in openly. Jesus says, "When you fast." He doesn't say if you fast. When you fast. Matthew 9, 14. And this verse, I'll talk about it throughout the week if you catch a live video. I'm going to talk about that. Um, Moving on to the next one. Chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. It says, Then the disciples of John came to him, to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Y'all up in their business. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will. In this passage, we see that, we see that Jesus upheld the practice of fasting with the disciples. However, he expects them to fast after he leaves them. So does Jesus actually command us to fast? And the thing is, people get hung up on the word command. Because then, if you look at the scriptures, well, necessarily, I mean, technically, he never really commanded. But if you read the scriptures, you're right. He may not have commanded it. He expects it. Which, but for me, is a stronger sentiment. I mean, it's a stronger, it's, it has a stronger impact in me because it's like I expect this, so I'm not even going to mention this. I expect this. You know how parents, right? I, you know better. You know better. I'm not going to, you know better. And so I believe, according to the scriptures, that he expects us to fast. So as Christians, should we fast? Yes. Third question, what the purpose of fasting? Well, number one, one of the purposes of fasting is to focus on God and to put him in the center of your life. That he become the center. There's a song, right? Jesus at the center of it all. When we fast, it clears out all the the distractions and and it allows you to focus on, on Jesus. So Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5 says, Say to all the people of the land, I think this is a pretty funny verse. Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? He had to like repeat it. When we fast, God wants us to fast for him. For him as the center focal point of our fast. Our fasting must be done under God's direction, and we must have our eyes fixed on him. Our intention should be to glorify the Father. Fasting allows us to focus on God as we pray and seek him for a particular purpose. All right, two, it reminds us who truly sustains us. We fast because we are reminded of who truly sustains us. And as much as, you know, we know that food sustains us, food is not the, the main source of our sustenance. 
Colossians 1.17 says, He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. John 6.35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When we abstain from food, we begin to feast on his word and we are nourished by it. And as a result, our focus on God grows. The third purpose of fasting is it helps bring balance to our lives. How often, right, how often can we say that the non-essentials of life take control over us, right? You know, how often can we say that the thing, we want things that we don't need, right? We're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of being on Amazon for no reason. Like, let me just see if there's something I get. You know, you're on Amazon for no reason. Sometimes we want things that we don't need, Right? How often do we allow uh, uh, things other than God to control us? How often do we allow, allow other things to control us besides God? We're controlled by greed. We're controlled by envy. We're controlled by jealousy. We're controlled by, you know, uh, ambition before God, right? We're, we're, we're controlled by all these other things. Fasting helps the natural desires of our human selves. It, 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 it helps it like, uh, it keeps it like in a check and balance situation, right? It balances our spiritual selves and our, in our physical bodies. And this is where I was like, you know, it begins to, you train your body. It's a form of training your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, the first part of verse 27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Fasting does exactly that. You're working and you're training on, you're, you know, you're working on your body. You're training it. You're teaching your body to rely on God as opposed to food. Some people are like, yeah, but you're not going to eat at all? We'll talk about that throughout the week to clarify a lot of those things. Those are the basics of fasting. Some Q&A about fasting. A person abstains from food for a time and spends that time that he, would, he or she would have been cooking or eating, spends that time in prayer and in reading his word. Okay? When we fast, the times we would have been eating or cooking, you invest that time in praying and reading his word. The worst thing is you fast and then you're just like you never read his word or you never pray. You just hunger strike again. All right. Now we can get started with the sermon today. All right. Uh, <laughs> what? Serious. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter, <laughs> chapter 12, verse 16 to 17. Those are just, you know, introductory questions. Moy playing. We're, we're almost done. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 and 17 is where we see some fasting in action. You guys might think I'm weird by picking this example, but there's a purpose for it. 
We're going to be, pre- uh, we're gonna be uh, hearing about fasting for the next several weeks. And um, um, it's, it's pretty much uh, to encourage us to, to support our, our fast. And so this is one aspect, one, one different perspective of what happened here. David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat with them. So this is what's happening. To give you the understanding is David, he saw Bathsheba. He desired Bathsheba. He, he called for her. He slept with her. He got her pregnant. He tries to cover it up. He calls Uriah from the battlefield. He tries to have her husband sleep with her to, you know, to cover it up. He wouldn't sleep with her. He sends Uriah back into the most fierce part of the battle to make sure that he's left there to die. He dies. Now David is pretty much a murderer. He sent him to get killed, right? And so now what's happening all this is that the prophet Nathan is now sent to David to say, yo, God's judgment is coming upon you. At this point, David's like, I'm sorry. I confess this is what I did. And he, and he tells the prophet what he did. After he does that, Nathan then tells him, all right, all right, you'll live. But as a result of your sin, your newborn son will die. This is what's happening. This is the verse, right? So the child is born. The child gets sick. Now, before I continue, I want to take a moment to talk about the seriousness of sin. I want to talk about how serious sin is. And I know people don't like to talk about sin. Oh, I know, I know. Listen, it's serious. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, David's son is going to die as a result of David's sin. Oh, that's not even fair. David's son is dying because of David's sin. Yo, that's serious. Yep. It's terrible. Yep. It's a tragedy. Yep. And sin is serious, and sin is terrible, and sin is tragic. The result of sin is disastrous in our life. And David is seeing this firsthand in his life. The thing is, when we sin, many of us like to downplay the sin. We downplay it because we want to feel better about ourselves. We downplay it because we, want, we don't want to focus on the possible consequences of the things that we're doing. We downplay it so that, you know, I mean, it's not affecting anybody. It's my life. It's my life. There's example, and that's, this is not the only example. There are other examples in the Bible where one person's sin not only affected the individual, but generations to come. And in this case, it affected his son. At this point, David has to make a decision, and he chooses to fast and to pray. He does this for about seven days while his son is sick, and um, he's fasting for a specific purpose. He's fasting for his son right? He knew what God said, but he also knew that God was a compassionate God, that he was a gracious God. And so he's praying and fasting, hoping that this compassion and this grace that God had, 
he would show upon the child and save the child. Now, although um, he was due, he fasted, in this situation, God was compassionate and gracious, just not the way that David expected him to be. See, God was compassionate and gracious for the fact that he let David live and he let Bathsheba live. He was, ca- he was compassionate and gracious because he then gave them another son that they named Solomon. And we all know who Solomon is, King Solomon, right? That's the grace of God. Now, although David fasted for to save his son, the results of, of his fast helped in other ways. You see, now, this is, I want to say this, that he was fasting for a particular reason to save his child. His child still dies, but his fast is not in vain. His fast does something to David. You see? Be- but his son still dies, but because of David's emotional and spiritual state, after fasting, he is able to process it. I mean, in a way that is, un- I cannot understand it as a parent. I, I'm personally not sure how any parent can process the loss of a child. That, that's tragic. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. It's not supposed to be that way, right? It's not supposed to be that way. It's one of life's greatest sorrows. Yet, David, through his fasting, is able to accept the will of the Lord and take, steps, and take his steps forward. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. It says, Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on, some, put on lotions, changed his clothes, went to the tabernacle, and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. Notice three things that David does after he's told, Your son is dead. He's told, your son is dead. He gets up, he cleans himself, puts himself together, goes to the tabernacle, worships God. Some of us don't get our way one time and we take it out on God. He worshiped God and he ate. The most surprising thing of the three is worshiping. Like, okay, he's got to get himself together. He's got to eat eventually, right? But to worship God? To worship? Here, here his son has just died, and David goes to worship God. Instead, he doesn't go complain. He doesn't blame God. He doesn't get angry, but he accepts the punishment of his sin and accepts what has happened. If you even read the next verse or a couple verses later, he even is comforted, comforted, in the knowledge of knowing that he will be reunited with his child after death. But tell me, how many of us can lose a loved one and be like, put on, worship God, worship God, eat? Now, I, I, I know he must have mourned, but the Bible doesn't go out of its way to say that. The Bible does go out of its way to tell us that he worshiped and that he ate. And he got himself together. I don't believe that's coincidence. When I look at the reaction of the response of David after the death of his son, I can't help but think 
that the fasting and prayer put him in the right state of mind to be able to deal with this heartbreaking tragedy. So what does this have to do with us? It's just another example of how, why fasting should be a normal part of our walk with God. Fasting combined with prayer, reading God's word, is a spiritual practice that engages the body, the mind, and our spirits to fully engage us with God. If you have made a decision, if you have to make a decision, if you have a decision to make in your life, right, fast and pray before making that decision. Ask God to lead you in your deciding. Some people say, well, I'll only, I'll only do that if it's like, you know, if I have to move across the country, if it's, if it's God's will. No, it's not just that. In all your decisions, seek God in your deciding. Jobs, dating, marriage, financial decisions, anything. Fasting will tune you with the voice of God. And will help you, it will help us make the proper decision. If you have a family member who has died recently and you find yourself weighed down by loss, fast, pray. Fast and pray, inviting the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart in the midst of your grief. You might feel lost in your thoughts and your emotions. You know, when someone, I mean, we, we, it's, it's normal. It's natural. You might feel lost in it. And fasting, it will frame your mourning and allow God to pour into you. If you have an emotionally charged situation, that's a very nice way of saying some drama in your life. If you have some drama in your life and you have to have some serious conversations with some people in your life, family, friends, conversations that are not easy to have, fast and pray so that you can get your emotions balanced and ask God to press into your hearts the right words to say and to give you wisdom on what not to say. Some of, many of us can look back at some past conversations and we can see some conversations that went very, very bad. And even to this day, some people don't speak with people after conversations like that. I mean, there's been conversations that some people have had that were the last one. And it was because something was said that perhaps should not have been said. If you have to have serious conversations with loved ones, people you care about, fast and pray so that God can pretty much show you what to say and what not to say. The spiritual discipline of fasting is available to all of us. What it does is it physically and emotionally and spiritually connects us with the Father in heaven. And when we do that, he helps us navigate the hardest moments of our life. Church, 
we have to be reminded that he will save us. Be reminded that he will correct us. Be reminded that he will strengthen us. He will direct us. He will fill us. And he will shield us. Church, can you stand this morning? Ask prayer team to come up. I know a lot of people are watching from home because there are so many people, like I mentioned earlier, there are so many people that are not feeling well this weekend. Um, many people have reached out and they've asked for prayer for, for uh, being sick. Many have the flu. Yes, it still exists. Some people have COVID. Some people just have a cold. But we're going to be lifting each and every one of them in prayer this morning. But the reason why I say that is I don't believe it's coincidence for those that are here right now. Um, one, thing, one thing my father... I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. When I had first started learning how to, to preach, I remember one time, I, I think I must have prepared for like months. And when I went to preach, the church was empty that day. And I was so discouraged. I was like, what is this? I put all this hard work. Nobody, no one's here today. I remember my dad having a conversation with me. He's like, Vince, he's like, did you know that God brought exactly who he wanted to be here to this place today? He said, the, the people that God wanted to be there will be there. He made sure of that. And so it's a reminder to me. I mean, I know, I know many are watching online today. But it's a reminder to me when I see intimate groups like this where it's like there's no coincidence whoever's here today. God's going to do these things in us. And all we have to do is ask him and then be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. Many of us know there's areas in our life that have to change. We know there's areas in our life that can't please God if we continue. And if we want that to stop, we want it to change, we want to be set free from that, first it's asking God to do it. And then it's allowing him to do the work in us. So many Christians unfortunately, walk through their relationship with God never fasting. Never fasting. And then, then have the audacity to get angry with God when they don't see God move in such a powerful way. Why isn't God doing anything in my life? 
Why isn't God answering this prayer? Why isn't he, why isn't he helping me with this area? Why is he? And God's like, uh, because you're depending on so many other things other than me. He wants us to depend on him so that he can be glorified in our lives. We say that we want to be dependent on God, but yet we don't take the steps to force our bodies to be dependent on him. Church, that's what fasting does. It's forcing your body to be dependent on God. And as we know, anything forced is not pleasant. How many of you truly want to experience the mighty hand of God in your life? Like, you've got to ask yourself, do you truly want to experience the hand of God in your life in a powerful way? Then today I challenge you, I challenge you today to begin preparing yourself, preparing your body, preparing your mind, Preparing yourself to participate in a fast. Join us as a family in expectations of a mighty move of God. The altar is open today for several reasons. Number one, some of us struggle with, with this topic. We struggle with fasting, and it's normal to struggle with that. I mean, if it's not something normal in your life, then guess what? You struggle with it, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. We want to pray with you. We want, we want to ask God to give you uh, the encouragement and the strength to be able to do that. We want to pray with you this morning. But, but there's a other, there's people here, I believe, right now that just need prayer. That are struggling with some personal things in their life. They're struggling with some personal things in their life and just feel like this, they're tired of doing it on their own. We want to pray with you. The altar is open this morning. Take advantage of this intimate time that we have together. The altar is open today. We want to pray with you. God wants to heal the, the, the hurt heart. He wants to mend those hearts. He wants to, to mend the scars, the emotional scars that some of us continue to, to keep open. He wants to strengthen you today. He wants to prepare you today. And if you have not accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he wants to receive you into the family today. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. Father, look at these individuals. They are here today. Look at those that are watching online. Father God, right now we just ask for your peace. Some of us are living a life of chaos and we feel like there's just no way to calm the storms. 
Yeah, we're reading your word that you just put your hand and you just, you just commanded. You just told the seas to be calm. And everything stopped. Father God, right now we ask for peace in the midst of chaos in some of our lives. Some of us need a miracle, Lord, of healing. Father God, you are Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. We pray for the sick this morning. We pray for the lost this morning. We pray for the weak this morning. We pray for health. We pray for salvation. We pray for strength. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.